Welcome to Capital Connections. I'm your host, Anne Greeny. In this podcast, we will talk to successful investors, brokers, and entrepreneurs about the state of their industry and how their network influenced their success. This podcast was brought to you by Affinity. Affinity helps teams manage and grow their networks by unlocking introductions to key decision makers and auto-populating their pipelines to increase deal flow. Affinity's patented technology structures and analyzes millions of data points across emails, calendar, and third-party sources to offer you the tools you need to discover untapped opportunities. In industries where success is contingent upon maintaining high-touch relationships, Affinity allows you to get deeper insights into your network and finally eliminate manual data entry. To learn more, visit us at affinity.co. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Thank you everyone for joining today. Uh, our first guest in this series is offensive tackle for the New York Jets. Off the field, you can see him battling hunger and working to increase education and opportunity for young people. He's a philanthropist, a community activist, a volunteer. He was nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Uh, and he's also investing in venture capital, everything from drones to SaaS platforms like Affinity. So please join me in wel- welcoming uh, Kelvin Beecham to the show. Kelvin, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Honored to be here. Awesome. Well, you have been um, so helpful for us at Affinity, and you were one of our early customers. Uh, and it was so great to see uh, that customer turn into eventually an investor as well. But the first, the, the first question I want to dive into is, what really gives you your drive? Every time I end up saying your bio, I have kind of out of breath. There's so much going on there. So what, 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 where did you get your drive from? You know, for me, it, it starts with my faith. You know, um, I wear a shirt all the time that says faith, family, and football. And those three things kind of drive who I am today. Now, that won't be what drives me, you know, five, ten years from now. But those, those first two are the, the things that drive me. Um, one, being able to glorify God with everything that I do. And then two, uh, being able to provide a, a special life for, for my kids and expose my, my family to just things I wasn't exposed to as a young child. So um, those things drive me. They keep me up late at night. They keep me, you know, get me up early in the morning. Um, and those things drive kind of my evolution as a person. You know, what I am, when you all met me, you know, a couple of years ago as, as a customer uh, of Affinity is completely different than, than who I am now. So um, you know, my, I guess I've been able to fast track some things, um, in my life just due to the profession that, I, that I'm in. But at the same time, you know, I just want to be able to do something special. I want to be able to live outside of the box of, of an athlete and, and some of the stereotypes that are associated with us. And, and with everything that you're doing, how do you stay focused and where did that come from? Uh, was that something that you, you know, you were always focused early on in your life or? You know, the thing is I had a, I had a phenomenal dad. You know, um, my dad used to say this all the time. and I never knew what it meant when he would say it. He would say, time is money and money is time. And I was, you know, I'm 12, you know, 13 years old. Like, why is that so important? And I look at it now, you know, married, three kids, like time is everything. Uh, time is so very important um, to, to what I am, what I'm doing and how I do it. And I would say over the last year and a half or so, I've become very obsessed with time and how I'm managing, how I'm getting from point A to point B, how I'm working on a particular project and how I'm using that project to springboard to another project. 
Um, and for me, that has become, you know, paramount to my life is just the ability to be able to manage time and understanding um, how to use time correctly. And uh, before I've, I've heard you tell the story of um, how your mom and from an academic perspective, even going back all the way to high school, because clearly with a, you know, with a football career, you were an exceptional athlete um in high school and she didn't let you get away with a whole lot when it came to things like grades that was that was non-negotiable that was a non-negotiable early on in our life we wasn't allowed to bring in anything below a b into our house um and you know the 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 way that people raise their kids now is a lot different than how my parents raised us uh, in the early 90s um you were allowed to do some things to your kids if you felt that they needed to be done and my, uh, my parents uh, were very, very strict in that particular regard. You know, they told us early on um, that we couldn't pay for college. We're not going to send you to college. We can't pay for college. We can't afford it. It was four of us. Um, and they told us you had two options. You had, you know, you're either going to play sports, and that was going to be the way that you earned a scholarship to go and get your education, or you're going to be um, smart and be intelligent and be thoughtful and be critical. Um, and that would be the way that you earned your scholarship to go up to college. Um, and fortunately for all four of us, um, I'm the oldest of four, all four of us, we all went to college on scholarships, whether they were sports, academic or academic, um, that had a, a little bit of sports. But we all went off to college, you know, three, two of us, two or four, have masters. Um, and it, it was really kind of all because of, of how strict our mother was and, and how adamant she was about making sure that we had an education. Yeah, and uh, to that point, how, did, did you ever not get to play because of um, grades? Or did you ever hold that kind of like that? Um, I was, you know, I'm not going to say that I was the best um, as far as making sure that I was always on point, but I found a way to always stay on the field. Um, you know, I was not the the, the best person as became as a, as it pertained to losing games. I was, I'm still a sore loser to this day. Um, you know, you know, you know, you all are not able to see that in this particular regard, but. Um, you know, that particular process has really, you know, evolved over time, but I, she never pulled me out, but I have siblings and, and plenty of stories and I don't want to use the time to tell those stories, but plenty of stories to go to where some of my siblings didn't get to play sports because of their grades. But, yeah, I think it's such an incredible I wasn't lesson. The angel. I wasn't the angel, but, you know, I, I, I did what I needed to do to, to make sure that I could still play the game that I love. Yeah, and that's such an incredible lesson of, of really pushing to make sure not only just sports, but also keeping the grades and that really helped you as you went on to SMU mm -hmm. and your collegiate career there as well. Obviously you were playing football. Um, what did you major in? What was, uh, what did you study while you were there? So I went into college because my dad owned a, a business in my hometown. He owned a business, uh, automotive technician business. And I went into college wanting to go, um, the, the business route. So, uh, Cox school of business is a very prominent, a business school there in, in Dallas, Texas. Um, and that was the route that I went into. Um, when I got into pre-cal and calculus, I, I, I applied all the engineers and all the data scientists and all those folks over there at Affinity. But I had struggled uh, with some of those early math classes um, and, and, and it kind of uh, deterred me from going into the business school. So what I did was I went and got a degree in economics. Um, majored in economics, really enjoyed just the, the theory. And I think that has actually helped me as an investor, but really enjoyed the theory, understanding supply and demand and, and global economy. Um, and that was my, my undergrad, undergraduate degree, uh, degree had a minor in sports management. Um, and then, you know, for me, the reason and kind of forcing um, 
the fast track that I had in college, because I got my degree in three and a half years, was because I wanted to get drafted early. You know, you have these folks that are able to get drafted, you know, after their junior year, but I wanted to make sure, again, I had that education before going to the league. So um, bypassed the league my junior year, came back for my senior year, and during that 16-month period, I got my master's in organizational dynamics. So, you know, still just found a way to, to, to try to maximize and be efficient with the time that I had there, in, uh, there at SMU. Yeah, and it's great. I think that uh, it, it really shows those were like the beginning steps of where your career ended up going. And, and from there, you got drafted by the Steelers, mm-hmm. then spent some time with the Jaguars, and then over to, over to the Jets. What lessons did you learn in those early years? Because I know, I believe you were seventh round, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you kind of had to, you had to really work your way up. And what lessons did you learn as a football player that you're now taking to, to business today? You know, one of the, the early lessons that, that I have is you have to sell out, you know. Um, I remember when I went to Pittsburgh, um, I had bought my parents' car. It was a, a 06 Chevy Tahoe. It was actually sitting in my garage here. The green um, machine, right? I, well, that's, that's, that's the one from high school. That was the one I worked for. I still have that one. That one's outside as well. So I have the green machine that's outside. I couldn't have drove that from Texas to Pittsburgh. I don't know if it would have made it. Um, and then I have the 06 Tahoe, which is what I bought from from them. Um, but when I when I talk about selling out, I literally packed that car with my belongings. You know, as I was 21 at the time, packed my belongings. That was all I was taking with me. And I went to Pittsburgh, and I had no intentions of coming back to Mahia, Texas. There's nothing wrong with my hometown. I love my hometown. I love my parents. I love my mom's cooking. But when I left Mahia um, in the summer of 2012, I was not coming home uh, until I was done playing football. And I haven't, you know, come home. Um, and for me, it was it was the ability and the mindset of wanting to sell out. Uh, that was the dream that I had. That was the, the, the moment that I felt that I had in my life. And I knew uh, that if I didn't take that mindset of selling out and doing everything that I possibly could to, to put – energy that was needed to be successful um, at that particular time I wouldn't have been able to do it so uh, for me the, the thing that I learned the most from that particular moment and I would say in my entire career um, is really selling out and when you sell out you know you, you put you push if you're a poker player you put you put all your chips uh, onto the table um, and, and you sell out and you go for it and maybe that's been a, a decision that I made uh, almost eight years ago and it's, it's, it's paid off all right yeah that's interesting given that that was how you started. And now you're kind of doing something different because you're putting chips in other baskets as well. I'm sure you're, you're putting 100% still on the field, but you started to get into technology. And before we get into like how you became an investor, what was it about technology uh, that was so exciting for you? And where did that start? You know, when you think about the concept of generational wealth, um, it's not often that you hear about that in the African-American community. Um, and it's not been a conversation that, that has had a lot in our community. Um, but when you think about what's going on in the tech ecosystem and the opportunities set there, um, I just found that that was a great opportunity to, for me to learn about this particular sector um, and learn where you know, my role was. Um, so one, you know, I had to take the time to learn. Um, I thought about going back to go get an MBA. Um, at Carnegie Mellon, I was there in Pittsburgh at the time. Um, it just didn't work out from a timing standpoint. So again, I just started having relationships, having conversations, um, seeing what, what technologies were out there for me to just play with and learn with. Um, that's where, you know, for me, the fascinated with drones started to come into play. 
and fascinated with AI and things of that nature. Go ahead. I remember you 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 told a story about also that your dad who who works on cars. Um, that was kind of the first thing that got you excited about technology is like mechanics and and those components are are such a it's the same type of foundation. The same type of foundation because it's a curiosity. Um, I think when you think about a mechanic, you know, it's, it's somewhat of a of a a standard that you have to go by. You have to be able to take a take apart a car, you know, take a, a car apart. And for me, I love transmissions. I love taking transmissions apart. Um, but it's a way you pull the transmission out. It's a way that you take the car torque converter bolts out. It's a way that you take the drive shaft out, transmission lines out, the motor lines out. And it's a way you got to put it back in there for it to be operational. When you think about things on the technology front, sometimes you're solving a problem and there may be a number of different ways in which you come to, to, to solve that particular problem, solve that particular solution. It's a number of different ways you can go to market. Uh, it's a number of different ways that you can pro uh, build a product and have iterations between the product. And I, I think those two things go, you know, they have, they have some similarities uh, because they're both problem solving. Uh, you're using critical thinking to be able to get from point A to point B. And at the end of the day, you're trying to find a way to make something efficient. You're trying to make something work again, uh, whether that's a car or whether that's a company being able to build from, from N0 or from the, the most bottom, uh, uh, you know, the, the napkin of an idea to, to a Fortune 100, a, a IPO-oriented type company. Now, you, you mentioned it a little bit when you talked about that time. Uh, you, this was, I, I take it this was after the Steelers. I think you had an injury and you were contemplating that next move. You were thinking about going to business school. Take me there and talk a little bit about like what that was like and, and, and who you met. Who were the people that kind of convinced you maybe maybe go going and getting your MBA right now wouldn't be the, um, isn't the best move. Maybe there's other moves. So what happened there? Yeah, I just blew my ACL out. It was ACL, MCL, meniscus, total knee reconstruction. Don't know how many folks on, on the line have ever had to have a, a, a surgery, but reconstructing knee surgery is not a fun one. It takes some time to recover. Um, so I knew I had some time to, to, to recover and kind of get back to um, playing football. But wanted to, again, you know, I've talked about time. Time is, is, is something special about how you utilize your time. So took that, that, that moment in my life to, to really uh, leverage one, I was still playing in a National Football League, but leverage that time uh, to just connect with some folks that were, you know, in different industries and industries that I was excited about. And one of those uh, folks was a guy by the name of John Donovan. Um, he was a huge Steelers fan. Um, so during, you know, the early part of that season, I actually uh, got a jersey. I signed it. Um, I got his address. I called, you know, how you have a code email or a cold call. I literally sent that jersey to him with, with no anticipation of a response. Um, oh, you know, he didn't I, ask for it? No, he didn't ask for it. Oh, that's a, just, that's the best I, ABM I, technique there is. Yeah, I just I just I knew he was a Steelers fan. Uh, I knew that that was an organization he supported, he liked. So I literally just sent him uh, a jersey out of the blue, and he actually sent me back a personalized note. I still have that note. He sent me back a personalized note. He said, "Kelvin, hey, focus on the season, and when you're done, come down to to the HQ and we have a conversation." Well, explain HQ, explain to everyone who it is. Well, he's, he was a former CEO of AT and T. Um, so he was a very reputable individual. Um, at that time, I think he was like CVP over telecoms. And by the time uh, he retired last year, he ended up being the, uh, the CEO of AT&T for a couple of years. Um, but at that time, when I met him, this had to be, I want to say, uh, early 2016. Um, 
the conversation we had was, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm writing down what my next goals are, what I want to do. I want to go and do this and tackle the world in X, Y, Z way. And pretty much got an eraser and erased it all off and was like, listen to me, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about business. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the business aspect of, of life. Um, and venture capital was one of the areas that I had interest in and one of the areas he knew about. Um, he actually sold his first company um, uh, being backed by Sequoia. So introduced me to some folks at Sequoia, um, knew some folks at Kleiner. So introduced me to some folks at Kleiner. Um, but then during that time, I actually was already having some conversations with Kleiner. So ended up doing a, a kind of shadowing opportunity with Kleiner for about a week. Um, so took my family. It was, it was uh, uh, one child at the time, if I'm not mistaken, Kalina. We stayed at the Rosewood and I would just walk across the street to Kleiner um, and just go over there and sit in partner meetings, pitch meetings. Um, I think when I was at the Rosewood, I actually, Tim actually came, I don't know if he's on the line, but Tim actually came out and met me at Kleiner and that was my first introduction to Affinity to actually learn more about Affinity. Yeah, that's um, so cool. You know, full circle, how things kind of come full circle. I, I, I didn't even think about that. I forgot all about that. But um, was at the Rosewood, and we were sitting down eating fries. I love the fries from Rosewood, from Rosewood Hotel. If you've ever been to the Rosewood, that's some great fries. Um, and me and Tim sat there and, 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 and talked and, and talked about Affinity. And, and uh, that's how things, you know, kind of started with the company. But that was kind of part of the, the early journey for me as far as kind of getting into venture, how I used that time uh, with John Donovan. Um, yeah, Tim is always hustling. I like that, Brian. <laughs> uh, but um, that's how, for me, I kind of got into the flow of, of being into the venture world. But for me, it was really that conversation with John um, and that cold Jersey mail, uh, yeah. sending it to him. Um, and he took the time to respond. And it's been a fruitful relationship. We actually talked about uh, two weeks ago. So and it's been a very, very fruitful relationship. How do you think about these relationships that you kind of, occur, you know, that you start to gain along the way, obviously starting with John and then moving on and, and getting to meet so many investors at Kleiner and how do you, how do you process that? Like, how do you, obviously we know how you keep track of them, uh, hopefully, <laughs> but uh, how, what, how do you think about keeping these relationships warm and how they can, um, you know, really benefit your life, maybe not now, but later? You know, the thing is, I think you have to take this approach that it's going to be a long-term play. You know, um, if you're, you know, if you're investing in a 401k, you don't want to invest in a 401k year one and be able to take the money out in year five. You want to be able to let that 401k grow, you know, grow for a long time. I think that same approach to relationships, you know, um, it's taking time to meet them, meet them where they are. Um, it's taking time to, to shoot a text, you know, being conscious of when their birthday is, you know, understanding things about their family. Um, you know, the thing is, 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 is this world has given us so many different tools, whether it be affinity, whether it be Facebook, whether it be Snapchat, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, it's ways in which you can keep a post um, and have a post with the people that you care about. Now, the thing is, is I would say, you know, four or five years ago, the, the net that I threw out was extremely wide. Like I wanted to talk to anybody. I was willing to network and talk to anybody, have a phone call with anybody. But as you start to get into this, I feel start to get into this ecosystem and start, you know, just maturing as an individual, you realize you have to be strategic and have to be smart with who you're spending your time with. And it has to kind of dial down because you rather go for me, I'd rather go deep with individuals than just be spread out wide. You know, uh, that's the same what I think about when I'm investing. I don't want to invest in just a, a very vertical play. I like investing in very horizontal infrastructure like plays um, because I want to be able to go deep with individuals, you know? Um, so for me, you know, it's really taking the time to, to talk to people. When I come out to San Francisco, 
you know, spending time with, with, with founders that I've either backed, um, you know, folks I want to continue building a rapport with over time. When folks were in New York or when I was in New York, finding time to, to, to get into the city to spend time with them. Um, and it's really just for me, I, I consider it effort. And I think when you put effort into a relationship, you'll be able to, 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 to gain um, the type of, of response that you want. Um, and then the thing is you have to be adaptable. You have to be flexible. You know, some of the folks that I've, I've met with, GPs and, and CEOs and founders of companies, yes, they're busy. So when they do have time, if they say, hey, Kevin, I only got 15 minutes, you, you got to use that 15 minutes to, to the best of your ability. So it's, I think it's a, it's a combination of a number of things that are, that are required to keep that relationship warm, to stay top of mind. Um, and then I think one thing that, that a lot of people don't think about is it has to be genuine and it has to be real. And when it's genuine and real, it'll last a very, very long time. And what about when you're thinking about these relationships that really are going to impact your life long term? Um, and that for you is, you know, football at some point has has an end and you're looking at this, you know, this next play. At what point are you how much are you weighing in uh, things like character? Because you are someone who preaches that often and like really do live by it and in your philanthropic ways and all the volunteering you do. Some of these people that you meet along the way that might be able to open a number of doors but don't have the same character as you how do you how do you think about that you know i think there are people that that come from all different walks of life and i think as you start building a relationship with them and a rapport those things will make themselves apparent and you'll realize what relationships need to be severed and what relationships you need to continue to grow on um i would say over the last two to three years i've come to the point where I do diligence on a person before even taking the introduction. So before, you know, if somebody says, hey, Kevin, I want to introduce you to this person. I think they'll be great for your network. I think they'll be, you know, a great asset to what you're trying to build. You know, I, I go to the platforms that I use, you know, LinkedIn, what have you, and find out who are they connected to. At talk to those people, you know, if, are they connected to those folks? How well do they know them? You use affinity so, for that as well, right? I use affinity as well to have the strength of the relationship. You know, I was going to get there. Yeah. You know, use, <laughs> you know, to find out the, the, the strength of the relationship. And then for me, I actually do diligence before taking the introduction to see, is this a person that I'm going to be vibing with? Is it, is it going to be real? Are they long-term oriented? Are they trying to just find a way to, you know, hey, I, want, I just want to get tickets to a game, you know, which... Yes, I, I, I leverage my tickets to games, but at the same time, I want to make sure that I, the people that I bring or I put in a box or I put, you know, in the same row out of the game, that they're, they're like-minded people. They're, they'll find ways to engage and it's real and authentic. For me, that is like a huge thing, and I, and I really value my network and I value other people's networks. So I don't want to waste somebody else's time and I don't want somebody wasting my time um, because the thing is I don't have time for drama. You know, being married, that's, that's enough drama, <laughs> drama in itself. You know, having kids, it's, it's, it's a lot, you know, so why, why try to bring, you know, exterior drama into, into you know, my life when I can do the, the heavy lifting on the, on the back end or on the front end uh, before I even take that introduction? Yeah, that, that, that makes total sense. And there's, um, you know, there's good seeds and bad seeds everywhere. And finding the people that are thinking beyond just what they can get from you um, sure. and building those, those real relationships. Um, so... Let's turn to the to the investment side, because I know that, you know, outside of your early investment in Affinity, you've made some really interesting bets. And you, you alluded to this a little bit of talking about you're not hyper focused on one vertical, your SaaS, your drones, your 
you know, I think since the last time we've talked, I don't know what else you've invested in. Um, yep. What's your philosophy there? You know, and I mentioned this earlier, but I, I really believe where are the infrastructure-like plays, and the infrastructure plays can play a role in a number of different industries. You know, for me, cloud services has been an industry that I've been, you know, focusing a lot on, uh, because you think about the the spin, the IT spin, um, from you know the, the legacy IT holders. So it's about you know I heard, I heard the guy from AWS, I can't think of his name, but the guy that runs AWS mentioned that only three percent. Uh, of spend is currently on the cloud. So that's a 97, it's 97% of people that are still kind of going the traditional route with IT. So there's a huge opportunity there for just the, the services within cloud services. And the thing is, when you think about cloud services, cloud services, you know, they impact everyone in some shape, form or fashion. So to me, that's been a particular area that I really enjoy just studying. By no means am I expert in this. You know, I, I find books, I read books. I actually have a book, um, uh, you know, it's kind of like physics for dummies, you know, to learn, you know, just like at least kind of understand the concepts. Um, so for me, I'm a, I'm a conceptual person. And when I can understand the concept, that gives me an opportunity to really dig into some of these companies. Um, you know, I still look at drone companies, even though that even, even though that sector is very, very hard right now. Um, I've done two uh, and I did those two early on. Um, those will probably be the only two that I, that I do because I, I just haven't seen. <laughs> anymore in that particular area and hardware is hard um, and you're seeing it being impacted extremely uh, hard right now with just a lack of supply chain you know visibility right now with everything that's going on in the world and it's just going to take time for that particular industry to come back and you know for, for the most part drones are really helping a lot of industrial like uh, type of organizations so you think about <laughs> the negative impact on oil and gas right now you know price per barrel is, is, in, is, is negative right now so you can't you can't be spending money on what well, we need to have drones flying around right now to go and inspect our uh, inspect our oil fields. You know, that's, a, that's even though it's cost saving, it may be hard to kind of bring that on for a pilot. So, you know, those are still areas that that are that are that are of interest. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, the investing is for me at this point is still driven by the relationships with people um, and access to kind of quality deal flow, and then kind of being able to dig in, dig in from there. And I know, uh, you know, especially with Affinity, you were using it and became kind of a, a super fan. We always were, you know, like, why is this guy, this guy's so active in the product and uh, which is awesome. You became this, you know, super user. Um, I know with one of your other drone products uh, or drone companies that you invested in, uh, mm. you were actually using that for your cattle. Yes, yes. So um, Skydio, which is a company that, you know, you can pretty much lift it, it, it lifts off out of your hand. I mean, it, this is a drone and you push it out and it actually goes where you want it to go. And if I'm on a horse or if I'm on a four wheel, I like four wheels and I'm going feeding the cattle, I can actually see everything that's going on with those cattle with that drone. Um, I've always had the, the idea of me being here. So I'm here in, in, in Chandler, Arizona. I have cattle in my head, Texas and being able to look at my cattle from here. That is still something that I'm working on. Um, I still haven't found a company that, that can do that at scale and, and do it with the quality that I'm looking for, but that is something that I'm still searching for. So if anybody has any ideas and knows anybody that can do that, please hit me up. But um, that has been something that, that I've been looking at for some time and still fascinated with that particular industry. Just realized from a business standpoint, yeah. it's just not a, a, not a smart place to, to, to put money at. 
And so when we look at the, the business world, obviously we've talked about a couple of the people that have really influenced you. Who are some of the, the other idols that you have that you've met along the way that have really impacted how you invest as well as just how you think about business in your future? You know, I've met a lot of young people that, that have actually been, you know, really fascinating to be around. One is a guy by the name of Jason Schumann. He's an early stage investor at Primary Ventures in New York. Um, he's been super impactful to my career and, and to my just the kind of the, the institutional side of investing. Um, it's been cool to build, build relationships and friendships with um, Will Reed, uh, which is a, a, a partner over at Spark Capital and his brother, Andrew Reed, which is a partner. He's a partner over at uh, Sequoia. Um, and again, we're pretty much the same age, 30 years old. They're hustling on their side of things. I'm hustling, playing football and trying to learn what they do. So it's great to have some peers. Um, and that's been really cool. And then I've had, you know, folks like Ryan Neese, you know, at Next Play Capital. I know we're supposed to be doing something similar to this at, at the summit. Um, but Ryan Neese uh, and his crew at Next Play Capital. Um, it's a guy by the name of Richard Kirby uh, out in, uh, in New York with a, a firm called uh, Equal Ventures. He used to be at Benrock. Um, so it's been, it's, I mean, I can go on and on. There's been so many people that have just taken the time uh, to sow into me. Um, when I come out to, 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 you know, to San Francisco, I have people that are more than willing to allow me to sleep on a couch or sleep in an extra bed. So it's been great to just build, again, authentic real relationships where um, people see that there's a hunger. I, I want to learn. Uh, I have no ego. Um, you know, I'm not trying to like take their job. I'm not trying to like, I'm just trying to learn. Like really at the end of the day, I'm trying to learn if I can put a smile check into the company. That's great. If I can't, so be it. Um, it's not the end of the world and we can just continue to do life together. Uh, for me, and I love using that word, being able to do life with individuals. And when I'm able to do that with investors, founders, operators, CEOs, um, receptionists, you know, I've met some phenomenal receptionists. It's a receptionist at First Round Capital in New York, Olivia. Um, and we, you know, just stay in contact from time to time. I mean, she, she was an office manager there. Um, she's seen all three of my kids at, at some point in time. Um, she knows my wife. And, and for me, again, it's those relationships that, that, that drive, for me, drive this business. And I think when people realize that, and, and Affinity is a relationship business, it's a relationship platform. When people realize that in the power of relationships, you'd be surprised. It's not what you know, it's about who you know. Um, and, you know, that's an old adage and people, you know, say that. But at the end of the day, it's really about who you know. Yeah, it's the it's it's the capability to open doors that you otherwise couldn't unless you send them an autographed jersey. And so, uh. well, the thing is, is you know what I realize is is this jersey and this shield will still only take you so far. You know, yes, it may get you a response, but at the end of the day, you still have to follow up. You still have to you still have to get on the phone. You still have to do research. I mean, these some of the people that 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 I spend time with, like I'm. I'm got, I got my, my, my laptop on a book, but like they actually give me homework. Like I'm not, I'm being dead serious. This is one of the books that, that I'm working on right now. Like, it's not like a, you know, Hey, Kelvin, you're a cool dude. We like spending time with you. Hey, let's go hang out at the game. Let's go out for a drink. No, like they give me homework. Hey, Kelvin, next time we have a conversation, I need you to read, you know, this, this information about Howard Marks, you know, Howard Marks over at Oak Tree is talking about, you know, uh, uh, distress debt and distress, distress credit. I need you to read this. And next time we talk, this is what I want to talk about. Hey, Kelvin, uh, I want you to, I mean, it's been a, a number of guys. Um, I was talking to a guy who was Soros. Um, the, the, you know, Soros is huge, but they got all these different verticals. Um, and one of the guys, he was like, Kelvin, I want you to listen to earnings calls every week. 
And he'll send me a message. Hey, Kelvin, next time we're having this conversation, we're going to be talking about the earnings call from Spotify. We're going to be talking about the earnings call from Slack. We're going to be talking about the earnings call from, uh, from, from Cloudfire. So it's not like it's this, you know, this, this lackadaisical boys club. Hey, let's dap it up. You know, let's have a great time. Like, they actually put me to work. Like, hey, this is what we're working on. This is what you need to be learning. This is what you need to be thinking about. Um, and then as I, as I get ready to transition, they realize I still have to get those institutional chops. So, hey, Kelvin, you need to know about Coughlin Fellows. That's, that's a place that you need to think about going, you know, once you're done. So it's, it's this ongoing development that they're doing in my life that's, that's helping me because there's things that I wouldn't have known to do if I didn't have those relationships. Like, to go and get an MBA right now, it'd be somewhat pointless because I've been having to do it myself. I've been having to do my own K-1s. I got to do my own reporting. I got to do my own back office. I got to do all, all my capital calls. If I'm in funds, I got to do all the LP documents. Like, I'm able to do all those things, so I'm learning all those things on the run while I'm playing ball, and I'm getting, you know, not hounded, but it's people in the business world that say, hey, Kevin, this, this is what you need to read. This is what you need to be thinking about. This is how you need to be thinking about X, Y, and Z. And for me, that's been so important in my life and my development as an investor. And when you talk about these relationships, you're obviously building this just incredible network with all the, the people that you're meeting along the way. I know that you um, created something called Kelvin Connects. Mm -hmm. um, what is that and how that how does that play into this, this overall plan that you have? So when you think about, uh, I talked about generational wealth earlier. Um, and when you think about just the access to, to, to people and the access to points, when I started Kelvin Connects, I actually adopted the Barack Obama Mail Leadership Academy in Dallas. And one of the things that I wanted to be able to do was how do we take young people um, who are high performing at their particular institution and take them from being high performing institute, you know, people at their institution to being able to go to college and from college to be able to go into the real world. Um, and for me, you know, it's been great to see some of the folks that I mentored um, there at the Barack, you know, Barack Obama Mail Leadership Academy go to college and now they're at Morgan and Stanley. And then what Kelvin Connects does is, much like I, I've done with Affinity, I connect them to everybody that I know at Morgan and Stanley. If they're going to Goldman Sachs, I connect them to everybody that I know at Goldman Sachs. I had a, a young man that just graduated from Babson University up in Boston. I connect him to everybody that I know in Boston in the venture community. You know, he wants to be in marketing, but hey, here's, a, here's an industry that you can think about as you're talking about marketing. So it's for me using the platform that I've, you know, been privy enough to, to, to be introduced to and being able to connect the younger generation, whether male, female, white, black, blue, green, Hispanic, Asian, what have you, and connecting them to the network that I've been connected to. Now, yes, I'm being smart who I connect them with because, you know, do I need to introduce them to, you know, the, the founder of Vista Equities? No, do I need to introduce them to the, uh, the head of global innovation at Citibank? No. But there are people at Citibank that would be great if they're, you know, they're, they're doing analysis right now. You know, okay, well, who else is doing analysis that I know, um, you know, at, at Citibank or the level right above Citibank? So, you know, it's, it's having conversations with them, understanding who they are, um, and understanding how I can be of help in utilizing the relationships that I have to connect them. So Kelvin connects. It's really, really simple. That's great. And I think, you know, networks and those relationships really do help and, and there's, you know, some people are born with a network and mm -hmm. others aren't. So I think it's great that you're extending yours and the one that you have built for, for helping so many, so many of um, the youth that, that really do need it. Um, got a question from Jason uh, on our team, one of our C wonderful CSMs, uh, 3030 documentary called Broke, which was awesome. 
uh, shed a lot of light on some reckless spending that was happening uh, in professional sports. What are the conversations inside the current NFL locker rooms about this? Like, are people outside of yourself? Are there a lot of people thinking about like, to your point, how do I create generational wealth? How do I even just be able to afford my lifestyle? Is, is, are other people having that? You know, to be honest with you, and you say it was Jason, right? Jason, yes. Jason, Jason, to be honest with you, um, that is still something that we're dealing with as a, as a, as a league. Um, I'm a part of the NFLPA, our Players Association. Uh, I sit on the financial, uh, financial committee within the Players Association. And, you know, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink, you know. Um, and we've had this conversation with, with many guys so many times. And some guys, you know, they just want to go blow it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 25. I'm only going to be 25 one time. I got to live it up. All right, well, go live it up. Like, I can't – you can't force somebody to do something they don't, they don't want to do. And I think you've seen – and people have seen – there have been a number of reports, a number of different videos, a number of different – I mean, you just see – so many different instances where guys can make the right decisions regarding their money, regarding living expenses, regarding lifestyle. Um, but it's this, it's this notion that you got to keep up with the Joneses. You know, you got to, you know, you got to keep up with the latest Lamborghini. You got to keep up with the latest, you know, Maserati, the latest Rolls Royce. You got to go, got to be on the yacht. That's, that's just for some folks, that's just what they want to do. Um, and when, when it's all said and done, when your career is over and you, you know, you got to, get a real job within two years, three years, it's just not a, a good position to be in, but it's still rampant in our league. We're trying to do and trying to rectify it and trying to have conversations, but at the end of the day, you gotta take initiative and do what's right for, for you and your family. And what was the, uh, my favorite quote in that documentary was it, I believe it was Tony Dungy who goes, you need one car, one house, one wife, and kind of ended it there. And um as uh yeah the the reckless spending just it goes so quickly um i was actually just watching the beastie boys documentary which i highly recommend and Mm -hmm. they they alluded to that too even you know in the early days they blew all their cash everything Mm -hmm. you feel like you have so much and then um it goes quick very quick um and this this kind of carries into i know we we talked about ryan um ryan niece a little bit at next play and next play capital um also being you know an affinity customer and huge supporter of us along the way um this is what ryan is is trying to build and next play for those that don't know is all about helping professional athletes find their next play after sports and helping them teach teaching them about investing and how, how has that impacted? And I know that you've worked with Ryan for, for years. Yeah. It's been important to see somebody that did it at a high level. Like, you know, Ryan has a Super Bowl ring. Um, that's something that I don't have. Um, Ryan has been investing, you know, I mean, I've been in it for, you know, four or five years. He's been in it for, I think, almost 10, you know. Um, and being an athlete, being able to, to trans, transition, you've seen him do that at a very, very high level. Uh, to be able to go from playing football to, you know, going through that period in life that every player kind of goes through trying to figure it out to then being able to parlay it into next play capital. I think they've raised two or three funds to date. They've done a number of different SPVs. Um, one of the best funded funds out there um, have, I mean, I think they, they did the, the Midas list that came out um, a couple of weeks ago and they backed 64 of the fund where well, they backed 64 of those fund managers on, on Midas, on Midas list. So, have great exposure 
Um, but what he's been able to build and how humble he is and, and, and how willing he is to just share his network and share uh, some of the learnings that he's had and some of the mistakes that he's had, for me, has been invaluable. Um, and folks who want to get involved have gotten involved. And you can tell who really wants to take initiative um, and who wants to take part. And the people who've taken part um, and have been part of, of, of Next Play for a couple of years now are seeing the fruits uh, of some of the decisions that he made early on as a founder of that particular firm. Yeah, and the relationships, it just, it's such a wonderful network that he has built um, amongst athletes and LP, other LPs, family offices and, and everything and, and, and the startups. And I know we've, we've played part with a number of their events as well. And it really is a fruitful, you know, relationship. The, the give and take is, is always there. So um, uh, awesome. So a couple more questions and then we're going to jump into the quick fire um, so we can uh, end on time. Um, so first off, coming from Hanson, Hanson was one of our early engineers. He was here before I was, so I can't even do it justice. Hanson, I think, has been here about four years. Mm -hmm. um, and Hanson's question is, what's going on in the football community during shelter in place? Um, how has that changed your priorities and the different commitments that you do, um, especially outside football? So outside of football, uh, within the game, you still got to prepare for the season. You know, the, the, the schedule just came out yesterday. Um, I just finished training uh, this morning, um, knocked out a training session before I got here. Uh, our gym has been open. Um, you know, we've tried to, to, to adhere to all the shelter-in-place, social distance types of things. So they, they do a phenomenal job of making sure the gym is clean um, pretty much after every working set that we do. Um, but we've, we still have to, 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 to get ready. You know, uh, here in Arizona, we have a lot of mountains, so do a lot of hiking. So I actually hiked this morning as well. So I got two workouts in before noon, which I always consider a very, very productive day if I can do that. Um, but, you know, we still have to find a way to thrive. Um, and then kind of off the field, you know, it's been uh, an awesome opportunity to really connect with the founders that I've backed on a very personal level and, and be able to actually check in on them and ask, how are you doing? I'm not asking about the company. Not asking about the numbers, not asking about, you know, are you meeting your Q1, Q2? No, like, how are you doing? You and your family, you and your loved ones safe? Um, and for me, that's been a, a very fruitful and joyous um, moment just to be able to connect, you know, with, with the founders that I've backed on a very, very personal level because everybody is going through, literally everybody is going through, safe, some shape, form, or fashion. Somebody's connected to somebody that's being impacted uh, by this virus and epidemic, whether it's, it's here in America or abroad. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, have you changed any of your ideas around what you want to invest in because of what's happened in the last couple months? Have have you, you know, I think you mentioned a little bit, but is there anything that's jumped out at you where like this industry is thriving? I know your wife is a, a Jessica is a nurse, yeah. like you have insight there. What do you, where are you, um, have you shifted any focus? You know, the only focus has really been evaluation. Like I have two companies in the travel industry that have uh, taken a, a very, very hard turn. Uh, one was in private aviation and one was in content around, around the airline industry. Um, and both of those are really struggling right now. So it's really been evaluation. Otherwise, the thesis that I set out on, you know, years ago, and it's still continuing to evolve, but the thesis around backing enterprise-focused B2B companies you know, those are still thriving. I didn't do a lot of consumer companies and the consumer companies that I did, you know, I did them early on. I was young and dumb and, and, and did a little media, not saying media is bad, but did a little media earlier on. Um, and some of those things that are, are struggling during this time. So uh, because they do 
events and things of that nature. Um, but for the most part, where I invested in B2B, you know, recurring revenue, you know, enterprise focused companies, software, SaaS, uh, you know, enterprise search, what have you, you know, those particular companies are, are continuing to thrive. And then for me, I'm seeing companies that are doing even better than, than the companies that I have in my portfolio, data centers. Data centers are absolutely killing it right now, you know. Um, you know, I didn't do a streaming service, didn't do Netflix or YouTube or anything, anything of that nature. If I did, I'd be a, a happy man right now with everybody staying home. But um, I did one company, well, two companies that I'm really happy about. Uh, one is called Whoop. Or I'm actually wearing it right now, Whoop Technology. Um, that's doing really well. And another company called FutureFit. Um, and FutureFit allows, you know, people to have an actual trainer. Um, that they get to work out with, you know, everybody being at home, but they've been doing that for some time now. And that particular uh, company is really kind of, you know, kind of hit its stride in, in, in this time. So there are some companies that thrive, but at the same time, I think everybody's asking the same question. What is going to happen when we come out of this? You know, and when? four, five, and when, you know, we come out of this, what, what are things going to look like? And nobody really has an answer for it. So for me, it goes back to the conversation and back to the same thing I keep talking about. How are you utilizing your time? and those relationships, because those relationships are going to be able to stand the test of time. Absolutely. Um, now, when you, uh, when your NFL career is over, hopefully you have many more years, many, many more years left. Um, are you thinking about either joining a venture capital firm, uh, creating your own venture capital firm, or just continuing no. to do your, your angel investments as uh, yeah. you're doing right now? I don't believe right now I'm equipped to go and start my own venture capital firm. I'm not one of those folks that says, hey, I've been investing for a little while and now I need to go start my own fund and go and raise 10, 15, 50, 100, a billion dollars to, to go invest somebody else's money. That is a huge, huge, huge responsibility and obligation and one that I'm not ready to undertake um, until I really, really know what I'm doing. Um, I've been doing this part time literally part-time. I still play football. I have a family. I've been doing this part-time. So it, it would be, um, I think it would be disrespectful. I think it would be ignorant uh, to, to say that I'm going I'm to stop playing football and, and a year later I'm going to raise a fund to go and invest in companies. I think that's very ignorant and very disrespectful to the, the folks that have really laid the groundwork and, and, and put a lot of hay into their barn to, to be successful at what they do. Um, as it pertains to possibly joining a venture firm, that has been a possibility. Um, you know, for me, I also want to be able to get some operational chops. So, you know, want to understand what it feels like to be in a, in a tech company, in a high growing tech company, understand what it feels like to have that strain and have that pressure, um, on you, you know, the pressure of playing football is completely different than the pressure of meeting, you know, uh, the, the, the reports that you need to have, you know, making sure that, you know, the product is ready for the product launch, you know, uh, if you get ready to launch a new feature, making sure that the company and, and, and everything is ready for the new feature. So for me, that type of pressure is different than me going out and playing in front of 90,000 fans. It's, it's just, it's just different, you know, um, and want to be able to experience that in some shape, form or fashion. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that there, there's, there's always a stream of people who think it's so easy to get into venture capital and, you know, maybe they raise one fund, but they usually don't raise a fund too. <laughs> Um, so yeah, wise, th wise thoughts. Um, all right, let's jump into the quick fire. Sure. Um, so I'm going to sprinkle in some that, of what people have asked. What are you benching right now? I know you're, you're, uh, prepping for the season. What's the number? You know, I'm not a big bencher, you know, um, the last time that I benched, I think I did, I want to say 365 for three, but it was on pins. Um, it was like slow eccentrics. 
um, I'm a big like functional guy. So I'm a, I, I love pull-ups. So today, you know, was, was like a heavy pull-up day. Um, tried to get a set of 10, you know, was able to get eight with, with weighted vest on. Um, so that's for me, I, I feel that if I can, if I can pull my weight a lot more, um, than, than 20 times, then I'm, I'm going to be a, a, a strong player on the football field. I can care less about the numbers inside of the weight room. For me, it's just how do I perform on the football field? Well, you've got, uh, you constantly are doing baby presses too, right? You've baby got presses, three. I, got, I got three of them. Uh, they all like to be picked up at some, uh, at some point in, in the day. So uh, I, get, I get a lot of work, work, work with them as well. You have a very cute weighted vest that is always probably clinging yes, to you always, <laughs> at all times. Always, always. Uh, any TV shows that you're watching right now that uh, you uh, picked up or that have been binging on? See, I'm, a, I'm old school. Like, I love Dragon Ball Z. So right now I'm actually watching the Dragon Ball Z versus Frieza saga uh, from the, the 90s. And my wife is like adamant about not even being in the room when I'm watching this. So uh, I love uh, Dragon I'm, I'm talking about avid. You talk, you talk about how I love Affinity. I love Dragon Ball Z. Uh, I can watch Dragon Ball Z at any point in the day, anywhere, anytime, and I would be perfectly fine. So I've been watching Dragon Ball Z and I've been watching um, X-Men. Those have been the two two shows, and I'm talking about like old school X Men. So like, you know, Magneto when when Magneto and, and Xavier were you know, pic, picture characters. They weren't even like true animation back then. So those have been the two the two kind of shows I've been going to and watching from from you know during this quarantine in time. Awesome. Any any new books that you've read? Um. So I just got. Um, so this is like the the list of books that I got to get through. So I have. The Snowball by Warren Buffett. I got uh, Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss that I got to get to. Um, I have The New Tycoons, which is a, a book by um, uh, Something Kelly. It's from Bloomberg Press. So I got, well, I won't even show y'all. So I got those books up there that I got to get to. Um, so those are kind of. Were those, were those recommendations or are recommendations? those pure? No, recommendations, literally recommendations it's Kelvin you need to get to this book next time we talk we need to be you know so I, I've, I've been using um I try to read as fast as I can but I also use Blinkist uh to kind of help out with uh kind of getting some summaries and, and, and some some concepts of these books as well so um it's a combination of those both that that, that kind of help uh, me get through these as, as fast as I can do you play any video games I'm not a video game guy but I do have a video game and if I do play video games it's Tekken Tag Team um again I'm, I'm, a, I'm not old but i love playing old games and that is a, a you know for some people they know what tekken is for some people they look at you like you're crazy but i love playing tekken tactic on playstation 2 i am very very biased on playstation 2 versus xbox well having worked at playstation i appreciate that <laughs> um and then uh you know I, I know you're a big barbecue so anything that you've been cooking lately that that uh uh, just with the, the time at home that you've yeah. been uh, doing more of? I've been trying out everything. You know, um, I tried out Cornish hens uh, a couple weeks ago. So they're little baby hens. Me and my wife had this this conversation, like, is it a chicken or is it a hen? I'm like, it's it's a chicken. Like, this, it's all the same. It's just the different size of a chicken. You got a, a Cornish hen. You got a big hen. Uh, you know, a turkey is different, but I think a Cornish hen and a chicken are almost the same thing. So for me, I've been playing with those, uh, still cooking my ribs. Um, and then uh, I actually saw some lamb chops in, uh, in Costco. So may try those out next week and see how they come out. 
And you, uh, I saw on Instagram, you actually use a Traeger, right? Yes. And that was, given, so, that was given to me. Now, if you ask which one would I rather have, a Traeger or old school smoking pit where you put wood and rocks in it to smoke your meat, I'm from Texas. I'd rather have the old school, um, you know, thank you. I see, I see Steve down there clapping for me. Uh, I would rather have the old school piece of equipment than the Traeger. And no disrespect to Traeger. Traeger is nice, but my wife hates it. She said it doesn't really provide the smoky feel that she wants to have when, you know, she's finishing barbecue. She wanted charred a little bit. She wants the lines on her weenies. She wants the weenies kind of shriveled up a little bit. You know, she wants she want that really smoky, smoky flavor. You know, sometimes you don't get that after Traeger. Uh, she calls it a convection oven outside. So, um, well, I'll buy it off you if you end up, uh, we'll have to figure out how to get it to San Francisco, but, uh, I've been eyeing one. Those are, those are pretty cool, nice. but I totally, nice. totally makes sense. Um, so, uh, first, what is the first thing that you guys are going to do either as a family or just you yourself, uh, once this kind of shelter in place and all this craziness gets lifted? Uh, we're driving to Texas. We're not flying. We're going to drive to Texas and I'm going to go get on my four wheelers and I'm going to get lost somewhere. Uh, I love uh, driving on those four wheelers. I just traded four of them in for for a new Ranger. Um, again, I'm, I'm from Texas. I, I love being outside and being outdoors. Um, I built uh, a ten acre uh, pond uh, about two years ago, and it's finally full with all the rain. Um, so, going to go check that out and, and, and go fish it and, and see how it's doing. But you know, for me, it's going back to Texas, being back, being back at home, seeing my parents, um, and just spending probably going to spend like a week. We can have there in Texas, um, and just allowing the kids to see their their uh, their grandparents and great grandparents who are still living. So I want to make sure we we get to them. Awesome. Um, and then, is there any feature that you just wish Affinity did have? You know, the the feature that I wish y'all had that y'all already provided was the mobile version. Y'all have. To we do have mobile. I know. We do have mobile. That's what I'm saying. I love that. Like, it's no, it's no more. I wish you know there's another feature, but y'all got the feature, and I saw. Um, uh, somebody, is it, is it, uh, Malveka? Malveka, Malveka yes. Malveka, Malveka, she was over. Malveka's our incredible data scientist. Oh, she was, I guess she was working on the, on the mobile side. She was clapping because the mobile is where it's at right now. Um, and I told Ray, I'm like, Ray, hey, listen, y'all got to get this mobile going. You know, it's like a year ago. I'm like, hey, y'all got to get this mobile going because I'm, I'm on the run. I'm jumping in between meetings. I got to have this mobile version to be able to, you know, kind of, you know, be able to operate like I, like I need to operate. Uh, and mobile uh, has been absolutely phenomenal. So that particular feature is its own point. Who's ever running mobile? I have to put my hats off to you because it was very archaic two years ago. And now it is on point. I love the UI. I love the UX. I love the functionality. It is beautiful. Uh, congrats well, you all. Big shout out to Travis um, Ortiz, who is our VP of design, who really spearheaded a lot of that. And Kat, one of our product managers who is now working on mobile and we have a bunch of incredible mobile engineers as well. So yeah, super excited about the, the future there. Well, thank you, Kelvin, for taking the time today. I know that your career in venture is just getting started and our team at Affinity is excited to be part of your journey. And thank you to everyone who joined. If you would like to hear more, click subscribe and stay tuned for our next interview with Dylan Boyd of RGA Ventures. This podcast was produced by Affinity Senior Growth Manager, Faison Medi. Music was produced by Affinity's engineering manager, Rohan Sahai. This podcast was brought to you by Affinity. Affinity helps teams manage and grow their networks by unlocking introductions to decision makers and auto-populating pipelines to increase deal flow. 
Affinity's patented technology structures and analyzes millions of data points across emails, calendar, and third-party sources to offer you the tools you need to discover untapped opportunities. In industries where success is contingent upon maintaining high-touch relationships, Affinity allows you to get deeper insights into your network and finally eliminate manual data entry. To learn more, visit us at affinity.co or email us at marketing at affinity.co. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.